Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I am joined in studio this morning by information technology czar, Gary Munn. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, sir. How you doing over there? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm going to have to move this cart monitor, though. <laughs> um, this, the last couple of weeks have just been bizarre. Right? It's like monsoon, hot. <laughs> monsoon, hot. <laughs> All right. Let's look at it real quick at a couple of news items, and then we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to improvise this morning because we've got a lot of people on leave and a lot of people at school and a lot of people traveling in a bunch of different directions. Um, so I, I think we've got to start the, the news with international news of interest. This morning are the opening games for the Tokyo Olympics. I yeah. uh, actually had the television on before I left the house this morning, got to see a little bit of the opening games. I was walking out of the house as Team USA was marching in. Nice. Um, a decidedly different opening ceremony than most in the past. Much more sedate, no spectators. Um, but they're making it happen. Uh, it's a little... It's a little frightening. You know, there's there's some positive cases popping up within the Olympic Village, but they've got some good protocols in place. So um, I'm keeping my finger crossed that because they're doing this rapid testing that some of these tests are going to end up being false positives. Um, and these athletes will finally get to showcase their abilities after losing a year. Um, but that's big news. In other news, uh, you know, we're just going to, it's PPD-related news. We're going to just put it out there. A former member of our department, former officer Miles Barber, um, concluded his case in, in court yesterday. Um, officer Barber was charged with improper storage of a firearm um, as a result. And, um, his daughter was injured, and the case was concluded yesterday. Um, you could read about it in this morning's Eagle. It was a, That was a tragic day. Um, one of the worst days of my career. Um, so we'll move on from that in other local news and you kind of if you were tuning in uh, to TBR before we came on the air you were listening to uh, culture this I don't remember the name of the program you were listening to the cultural development offices program uh, where they talk about all things going on special events wise and cultural development they were talking about the concerts that's being scheduled for September 17th in the common Uh, Tanglewood was in the common last night I'm not going to say, you know, we're back, but I will say that this week, this the last five days have been the closest I felt to normal since last March. Um, you know, there, there's been a slow roll back to reopening. Um, but this week I was just like, okay, you know, meeting here, meeting there, go there, travel here, drive here, meet this person. It, it, it was almost, um, I think this was the first week that even so for the last month probably three weeks maybe even though i wasn't using it every morning when i left the house i was just throwing a mask in my pocket just in case yeah. and and this week i, I didn't um so it's probably the first time in 
over, you know, whatever, 18 months, 16 months. Last thing of interest, I don't have the article open in front of me. Uh, you can check it out. You can go uh, social media, Facebook. Um, if you're not a follower, go find the uh, International Association of Firefighters, Pittsfield Fire. Um, they just made the announcement, I think, last weekend or early this week. Uh, with a lot of hard effort, a lot of hard work and a lot of hard effort, uh, particularly on the part of Deputy Chief Dan Garner, um, the combat challenge, the firefighter combat challenge is coming back to Pittsfield again. Uh, they worked really, really hard to get it here in 2019, had a successful event uh, with the combat challenge out at Berkshire Crossing and uh, are going to be hosting again later this year. So go check that out. That's that's a big deal for our, our little city. You know, the Firefighter Combat Challenge is an international event. They bring firefighting crews from all over the world to compete in these um, physical challenges head-to-head and team-on-team. Uh, D.C. Garner's been, been he's just a beast. Like, he, you know, his, uh, I don't know what his, his age class is, but he just crushes it out there. And under his, there, there are, there are, prior members of the fire service who were also involved but Danny kind of stepped it up and uh under his leadership and guidance a lot of the young firefighters they you know they go in they work out on their own time and they've built the events and their uh, drove field down on Peck's Road there if you don't follow them online follow them because the I get tired just watching the practices <laughs> it's insane um and the last time that it was in Pittsfield just kind of as like a a point of interest they actually threw down the gauntlet and berkshire county special response team put a uh, element together kitted up and and ran head to head against them we won't talk about how that went <laughs> i think they're doing something similar this year they probably are it was our it was our guy's first time on the course so you know you gotta <laughs> you gotta give them a little latitude but uh it is it's fun it's physically demanding so all right so that's it for the news um we didn't really put together a clock or a schedule for this morning. We didn't realize until yesterday afternoon, n- neither of our, the rest of our like partners in, in production are available. Yeah. Lieutenant Traversa is enjoying some much-deserved, much-needed time off. And unusually for him, he's off. He's off-grid, like mm. not monitoring comms, not checking emails. And I... I'm cool with that because sometimes you just got to go. But most of the time, even when he's on time off, if we throw, throw out a secure comm or we throw out an internal communication, he pops up on the thread. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be on time off? Yeah. Not this time. Radio silence. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, I've got some of that coming up at the end of August, too. So let's go places where cell phones don't work. That's right. <laughs> uh, and Officer Derby. Officer Derby's been busy. We'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff he's been involved in. I don't even know if he's on duty today. He's on the he, desk. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's probably listening. So, <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use pivot off of that. We'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that uh, he's been involved with in the last couple of days. But I actually want to spend a little um, time chatting with you, going back and forth with you, because it's the beginning of a new fiscal year, which means we got new projects. And so we have some new projects that have to be implemented. We have some outstanding projects that have to be finished. Um, we just got to get this stuff done. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that our viewers and listeners may not know, uh, so everybody everybody knows Darren Derby, not not just here in the city of Pittsfield and Berkshire County and the Commonwealth and beyond. Uh, when I promoted in from the Cape, you know, Officer Derby was talking with former Commissioner Gross of, uh, of Boston PD because 
you know, they're, they're buddies, right? Um, just Darren's got reach well beyond the Berkshires and Western Mass. He's got fellow police officers who are involved in community engagement activities that he's plugged in with all over the country. And even in some other countries, like they did some cool stuff a few years ago in Bermuda, um, both on behalf of Special Olympics and the Law Enforcement Torch Run and the Basketball Cop Foundation, right? They, um, they did some ambassador stuff there. But, you know, that, that's not actually Darren's principal job, right? Dar- Darren's a patrol officer. And within the patrol force, he also fills the role, uh, it's a contractual obligation within the department, and we called the department safety officer. And so as the safety officer, he, you know, he helps me coordinate neighborhood watch and uh, he does school checks and stuff like that. It's when I was a kid, way back when uh, my safety officer was Officer Ray Shagri. And at that time, we actually had like in school instruction time. So Officer Shagri would come to the school in the fall and he would do pedestrian safety for the walkers to and from the school. And then he'd come in the spring and he would do bicycle safety. Um, over the course of you know intervening 40 years we kind of lost some of the in-school instructional time so it's less formal but we the safety officer still you know liaises with the school for us but one of the things Darren has done in his role as safety officer is he has obtained a certification in crime prevention through environmental design SEPTED crime prevention through environmental design and we haven't spoken about it on the program before and some stuff came up in the last couple weeks and you know I I'm a, I'm not trained in SEPTED, but I'm a big proponent of SEPTED. I learned about it when I was in community policing before I went to the academy, um, and we advocate for it a lot. One of the things I try to do when we get uh, brought in early on a major project, like when um, when they redid the common, mm-hmm. we got consulted on it fairly early, and we were able to share early on some SEPTED principles that led to some minor redesigns that really, really cut down on unwanted foot traffic from some not from but within some areas of the park that are harder for us to see and patrol and so by making some small design changes you can prevent a lot of quality of life issues and then we don't have to go do enforcement right we get out in front of it and so um you know we don't like I don't think Sept has mentioned on our website at all. Um, you know, some of my fellow department heads are familiar with it, some are not. And so every once in a while we'll get a, a ask and they're like, you know, the police department needs to come down here and do this. And we're like, Well, can we come take a look at it first? Uh, because, you know, maybe we can fix it. <laughs> and so we spoke on last week's program about some complaints we were getting in the downtown area and when we got off the air. I asked Darren to go take a look at this particular location and kind of do a quick little septet analysis. And so he and Captain Kirshner and Lieutenant Dolly attended a meeting the other day. And, you know, it's not that we're saying that the issues that are being reported are not police issues. That's not the case. Some, some of them are. But they're not solely police issues. And, the, and the, they quickly came to the realization that with a couple environmental fixes or a couple engineering fixes, a lot of the problems would just go away. And then we could focus our attention on the real bad actors (laughs) instead of going down there for just nuisance calls. So um, the meeting was very well received. I got uh, some great feedback about uh, Darren and and Lieutenant Dolly and uh, Kevin Kirshner. Um, And so hopefully as a collaborative approach, a team approach, police department with other city departments, private property owners, uh, some other agencies that we work with, and solve this problem instead of just arresting and charging people. 
So it's kind of about identifying root causes. Um, one of my favorite septed stories, it was, <laughs> I should have to be very cautious with this one. So I'm going to give a shout out to my mom. Right? My mom is a master gardener, a certified master gardener by what, whatever, I don't know what it is. It's the something exchange. And uh, so she did the program. And so she knows quite a bit about plants and plantings. And early on in my tenure, I think I was like a sergeant or a lieutenant. We were doing a septet analysis. And I don't remember how it came up when I was talking to her. And she's like, just plant raspberries. I was like, what? She's like, you put plant raspberries two seasons. Nobody's walking through there. <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of a brilliant idea, right? And so um, ultimately, we did not end up using raspberries. But several times over the interim, and it's been, what, 15, 18 years, several times when we are involved in some of these conversations, we advocate for a change in the plantings. And so we can go from something that maybe is just low ground cover to a more hardy bush or shrub. And by putting that different bush or shrub in there, you can completely eliminate, eliminate pedestrian traffic. You just stop it. Yep. So, so crime prevention through environmental design. Hmm. All right. So I was out of the office a couple of days this week. We'll talk about that later. Um, and while I was gone, because this is how it happens, right? And so um, you came into work one morning, and all the monitors stopped working. Yep. Yeah, it was actually that night when we had the power outage. Yep. And so for our, again, for our this listeners and viewers, whether tuning in on TBR, listening to this later as a podcast, you're checking us out this morning on PCTV. Um, if you've never come to the station, you're not familiar with the station, first of all, do that. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're kind of reopened to the public again, and, you know, we will give a station tour if we can manage to find the time. Small groups, individuals, uh, if you prefer it that way. Uh, we're also in the process, Lieutenant Traverse and I have been going back and forth. Can't figure out when we're going to do it. Probably have to push it to fall. Um, we're going to have an open house. We haven't had one in a long time. Um, a long time, I think. I, say, I don't recall one since I've been there. Oh, it's, it's probably been 20 years. The last time we had a full open house, uh, I fell off the roof. I didn't fall all the way because I was on the rappelling harness, but I fell off the roof. And got, <laughs> I got banged up pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about that. That's another story. For another, uh, day. another story for another day. When 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 I was the, like the high the high ropes guy, we were pushing the limits of, of some of our techniques. I, I've got a couple stories about some pretty spectacular falls. Always when I was doing public demonstrations, I've taken a spectacular fall at Crosby. I took a spectacular fall off the McKay Street parking deck, and I took a spectacular fall off of our building. And in in my defense, I was actually very very good at high ropes. I, I didn't fall that often. It's just when I did. It was spectacular. <laughs> um, if you're going to do it, do it well. I'm going to do it. That's it. Right now. I don't care what I do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, even if it's falling. Uh, so the area that we're talking about is what, you know, internally we refer to as the desk, right? The desk area. That's where Darren is working today. Yep. And in the department, we have two operation spaces two two working spaces that are always staffed the chief's office is not one of them despite what some of our residents believe but the two op spaces that are always staffed are the dispatch center the communication center which we talk about a lot on this program because lieutenant traverse commands it um 
and obviously, you know, there's there's uh, depending on time of day and day of the week, there's a minimum of two, usually three people in there. Their job is taking calls, listening to the radio, dispatching units, and we handle police, fire, EMS, and in some cases during major incidents, storms, and stuff like that, we're also in comms with Department of Public Services, uh, Sheriff's Department, the heart of the operation, BRTA. Uh, school bus operations so all communications flows through through the dispatch center but the other op space that is always occupied is the desk and you know the desk is um, it's a historical term it generally referred you know when you walk into an old precinct like NYPD precinct you walked in and the sergeant was sitting up on a big stool (laughs) looking over the desk and so even though there are multiple desks and workstations at the desk we just always refer to it as the desk and so the, the people who are assigned to the desk, again, depending on time of day, day of the week, what's going on, are the desk sergeant. The desk sergeant is the station commander. He is, uh, you know, in the absence of a lieutenant, in the absence of the captain, he or she now. Again, um, they're, they're in charge, right? And on the um, midnight shift, the, the desk sergeant, in many cases, is in charge of the entire city. And then the other person who's assigned there, almost all the time, you know, depends on what's going on. Sometimes it'll be the sergeant and, or sometimes it'll be the sergeant or, is the desk officer. And the desk officer has two primary responsibilities. The first is care and welfare of any prisoners or detainees. So they're responsible for making sure that if anybody's in the cell blocks, that they are being properly monitored and properly uh, taken care of. Uh, health, welfare, all that, you know, feeding, all that stuff. Um, and then the second responsibility is handling walk-ins, people who walk into the lobby. And so uh, handling the desk, so to get prisoners on the ground floor in the booking area in the male cell block, female cell block is upstairs, juvenile holding room is upstairs. Um, they, they've got to be visually and physically inspected at least every 30 minutes if they're at risk, every 15 minutes or low, less. Um, and because the building is so, you know, convoluted and it's kind of maze-like, to, to handle those two functions, making sure we're seeing the prisoners and knowing what's going on in the lobby, there's a lot of technology in that space. There is. And on top of those two things, they're also responsible for monitoring any communications we're having under the criminal justice information system with other law enforcement agencies. We got faxes because some agencies don't fax. We got phone calls coming in, um, you know, from the community, from other law enforcement agencies. Uh, It's just it's it's so if the if the dispatch center is the nerve center um, of of everything, the desk is kind of like the. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it's like the, the forward-facing like eyes, ears, and 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 you know it's it sees, uh, receives and and kind of communicates everything that's going on in the department at any minute of the day. And so, um, you you gotta to, to maintain situational awareness, you gotta know what's going on. And one of the ways that we do that, you know, it used to be these little tiny like CCTV monitors, but now you walk in there and you have to tell me, Gary, there's what, four ceiling mounted, large, large you know, multi-screen monitors, yep. plus regular computer monitors, plus a couple small monitors that, you know, you can put up different views in, and, and manipulate. We've got 
eyes on every cell, whether they're occupied or not. Uh, interior cameras in the public spaces and some of the, the transition spaces within the op space, and then exterior cameras uh, for station security. This, I'm probably missing some stuff. Uh, yeah, was just, we, do we have the IMC monitor so we can monitor the calls? Oh, yeah, status boards, right? So everybody, so, so it, there's a lot of tech in there, and every, when you work there, you're tech-dependent. So when I say the monitors went down, they all went down. They all went down. The CCTV went down. The IMC status monitor went down. Um, you know, so we think it was because of a power surge. Yeah, they were over 10 years old, running 24-7. So, so that's observation number one. We probably shouldn't go 10 years without swapping those out, right? Like everything else, they probably should be on a preventive maintenance plan. We don't go 10 years on, a, on an MDT or on a desktop. <laughs> probably shouldn't go <laughs> 10 years on the stuff that's attached to them. Lesson learned. Um, but, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, they went down. They were down for a significant period of time. Yeah. Eventually, they came back up, yeah. but they came back up and they were damaged. Yeah. So, um, job one right now is making sure that they all get swapped out and replaced. New ones are coming. They're on their way. Yeah. And as a, you know, so I, I know I signed off on that and we did a one for one swap on, on all of them, right? Yeah. We probably should sit down next week and warehouse one or two more. Okay. Just so if they, if something happens, we can just go grab one out of a cage and swap it. Okay. Um, so that was fun, <laughs> right? Power outages are always fun. <laughs> well, so this isn't within your wheelhouse, but we had had a, uh, it wasn't a power outage. We had a, a power spike or some type of power surge, what, five weeks ago, six weeks ago. And there was a problem with the generator. It came online, but it wouldn't stay online. Yeah. So we got Andrews out and they serviced it and they made some, you know, preventive repairs to it. We were feeling really good. And then it happened again. So they were back yesterday working on the generator again. Yeah, it was it was working Wednesday when we had that the outage, and then it just it wouldn't start again after that. You you haven't been around long enough to remember the bad old days. So the the current generator that we have is not new. No, I think they put that in when I was a lieutenant. Um, but the previous generator was definitely not new. And. Uh, when that one went down, we had a significant storm-related incident. It took out the, the network and the circuit we were on. Generator came up. Generator failed. Um, and, you know, so some of the stuff that we've got is tied into backups and, and uh, you know, backup power supplies and stuff like that. But a, that, a lot of it isn't. Right. And so one, at one period of time, we had the, uh, the old, the PPD command van, the, the Lynch Diversified Command Van that's been archived and retired now. Uh, we had that parked on School Street, basically outside door one, with a pigtail off of where the generator would have been feeding, tied into the generator on the command van. So we were powering a small set of circuits just to kind of keep us going. And we were dispatching out of the command van. We moved the dispatchers outside. Uh, and I think we operated like that for two days. <laughs> The big uh, Command Bago. The big Command Bago. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, the, 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 the storied history of the Command Bago. All right. So that's enough talk about the monitors. What else you got going on tech-wise? Um, we got uh, our partners are with uh, RAP. We... Um, 
It used to be Encena. That's the, right. For our simulator. simulator. They were... They've now partnered with RAP, which we already have a partnership with, with our right. bowl of wraps. Uh, they sent us uh, free uh, bowl of wraps for our simulator. I so saw that. So we can use uh, for our, our extended training. Is the simulator still down at the academy? No. it's uh, We have one in the basement, and the other one's packed up to go to the academy next week. Okay. So the basement one is online in the roll call room? Yep. Did you fire the, did you fire the sim wraps yet? Not yet. All right. So we're doing that when we get back to work? Sure. <laughs> uh, I got to work with the vendor to get the um, software updated for the bowler rep. And uh, the day we received him, I called him to thank him, and his wife was having a baby. So, so we're not doing that when we get back to work. <laughs> no, maybe later. Maybe later. So we, I mean, we've alluded to the simulator a couple times in previous episodes, but I don't think we've really spoken about it. And even, um, even when we got it and we brought it online. We, we didn't really have the capability to fully test it and vet it just because we were getting pulled in so many in different directions. It really wasn't until uh, like our, our emergency management crew went over to 2nd Street last year that we had the time and because of where we were located, the space to kind of like run that thing through its, uh, its paces and see what we actually had. Um, and fortunately, we had the student officers co-located with us, so we had uh, willing voluntolds who who would work through it yeah. with us. Um, and so, you know, use of force judgmental training is something that every police department it has to find a way forward that you have to be able to provide it. And you, you, ideally, you would like to be able to do other types of high-risk, uh, high-liability training um, including like driving and foot pursuits and stuff like that. But being able to do that without actually exposing your, our personnel to risk is very, very complicated. And so one of the things that law enforcement and the military and other agencies have been, you know, other organizations have been doing for decades is video-based simulation. Um, and we had, like when I was a training officer, we would rent a simulator, either a um, firearms training simulator, FATS machine, or a range 2000 or 3000 machine, a Milo machine. And we would install it in what was previously the range is now storage space. We would run it for a week or two, get as many people as we could through it, and then we would send it back. Um, Sheriff's Department has one in their training room. Um, it's an older model, so you know so we, we could get in there sometime. The Academy has one. But we never really had a way that we could do it um, ourselves all the time on our schedule. They're very expensive. Uh, you have to have a lot of space in some cases to do it. Uh, there's a lot of different versions out there. I actually had to write a proposal at one point to kind of do a comparison of all the systems and make recommendation. It never went anywhere. So a couple of years ago, I think it's three years ago now, we found one. It was the first time I'd seen one in my experience as a trainer. Um, it's, it's not screen-based. It's virtual reality-based. You, you basically put on the manufacturer's equivalent of like an oculus mm -hmm. and you can you can train in a 10 by 10 area and it's mobile and portable it doesn't have to be you know you've made some steps to permanently affix it so we can use it you know we can just stand it up right yep. so supervisor who's trained can go in there turn it on call in their officers from the street and say train yep. and uh over the course of the last year because we did have a chance to put it through its paces and see what it was capable of we noticed some opportunities for improvement mm -hmm. And because we were an early adopter, the company has been really, really good in working with us. So we can put two officers in the simulator at the same time. Uh, 
based on our input, they can simulate terrain with uh, their duty firearm, their sidearm, patrol rifle, shotgun, taser, yep. OC, mm-hmm. and now the wrap. Yep. So if it's equipment we pr- – do we have another less lethal? Can they do less lethal? Not yet. Okay. It's, it's coming. Um, but if it's equipment we push to them in the field, we can put them through – exercises and drills with it uh, on the simulator. And some of the scenarios that they worked with us for and they wrote with us for, they're not even use of force related, right? So I think uh, the one that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks is there's a simulation in there. It's a simulation of a despondent person who's threatening to jump off of a bridge. Mm-hmm. And so when we did in service last spring, we ran everybody through a couple of use of force ones. We ran them through the bridge jumper one. Um, we had a call a week and a half ago. Patrol went out and they were assisted by our chaplain. They talked to despondent individual off of a bridge. And in the after action, hot wash came straight out that they remembered that scenario and the conversations they had after completing that scenario. And based on the training that scenario provided, they felt better prepared to resolve the situation and they saved a life. Yep. So it's working. Pretty excited about that. Can't wait for the next in service. Yeah. So. It is 9.30 on a Friday morning. It's Friday, July 23rd, 2021. You are listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. We are going to stop for station identification, another check of the weather, and a couple of PSAs, and we'll be back in a couple minutes to finish up the show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, partly sunny. Scattered showers with isolated thunderstorms this afternoon. Highs in the mid-70s. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour, increasing to 5 to 10 miles per hour this afternoon. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, partly cloudy with scattered showers in the evening, then mostly clear after midnight. Patchy fog after midnight. Lows in the lower 50s. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour in the evening, becoming light and variable. Chance of rain 30%. Saturday, patchy fog in the morning. Sunny. Highs in the upper 70s. Light and variable wind, becoming south around 5 miles per hour in the afternoon. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. If you're returning, you know you are tuning into this morning's episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Television, simulcast on Pittsfield. I just said Pittsfield Community Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Television. Um, and I am supposed to remember to remind you that we are also available now archived as a podcast so that, you know, some point this afternoon we will upload the audio file and you will be able to find it on all of your popular podcast platforms, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts or wherever, wherever you, you know, follow podcasts. It's actually pretty cool. All right. So I'm joined in studio this morning by IT guru Gary Munn, who's working the board filling in uh, work for 
Officer Derby and Lieutenant Traversa, who are otherwise occupied. And uh, we've been talking about technology. Basically, we've been talking about technology. So we finished up talking about the simulator. Um, We spoke briefly in the last couple episodes, and we haven't really gotten into details. So when I came, I don't even know when I went. When I came back from D.C. and visit to the White House uh, as part of the 21st Century Policing Task Force after actions, I think it was 2016, um, that we had asked, and I, I decided that we wanted to participate in what at the time was called uh, open data portals or open data policing. It was a commitment to provide um, essentially raw data about some of our functions and our operations to the public so that people who were interested in statistical analysis or comparisons could go do it themselves instead of just relying on the charts that we produce as part of our reports. And so I was very excited about it. Um, it, I often get excited about excited about things I don't know enough about. Didn't understand what some of the complexities were going to be, and so we took a look and we kind of decided what we were going to do. And um, you, Mr. Mon, worked with our intelligence analyst, um, Mrs. Stebbin, and we kind of identified the information that we thought would be out there. We compared ourselves to some other local departments and some other similar departments in the Commonwealth, and we got all excited and we got ready to do it and then cold water was thrown on our hopes and dreams and we couldn't do it um and it and when i say we couldn't it wasn't due to lack of desire it just you don't know what you don't know and i've spoken about this on on several programs in the past the um the department's it infrastructure is pretty robust but in many cases it's either different than and or not completely um compatible in some cases with some of the other infrastructure provide the backbone infrastructure provided by the city and it's that's in some cases that's deliberate and in some cases it's just because we tend to make sure we update very quickly and some sometimes the other city departments don't keep up and so we can find ourselves on different platforms in this particular case what happened was we had agreed to essentially a citywide website refresh, a, a refresh and a redesign, and we weren't responsible for the the backbone decisions on that. We were just told provide the content and and the graphics and images. We're going to do it, and as a result of that, when we went to post this stuff, we basically were told the our current web provider won't do it. It's not capable of doing it. So we had to make some adjustments. We had to make some. Um, we had to you know, make some pivots. And eventually we just had to say to our partners across the street, you got to help us with this. We have to do this. Yeah. Uh, and although it was important for us, it, you know, it, they have to prioritize their task too. And they had some many, you know, and I, I really admit, they had some stuff they had to work on that was much more important. Um, and so we kind of, you know, we were a, a back burner project for a little while. But ultimately we got to the point during the pandemic where everything we had asked for was in place we thought it was all in place uh, and so we decided to pull the pin on this thing and uh, i was traveling and i said you know put those things up there and then you had to i think you texted me because i don't yeah. think you wanted to call me um because the libraries that they built for us wouldn't accept uh they, they wouldn't accept office documents they wouldn't accept our spreadsheets they wouldn't ex- uh, accept our our text they only would accept pdfs 
And so when I talk, when I introduce this topic, the point is it's open data. It, it has to be put up essentially in a, a comma separated values form. It, we can't, we can't produce a chart or an image and load the image and then make people retype it. That, that doesn't meet the right. requirement of open data. It's gotta be the raw data. And so there was some security changes that had to be made and stuff. And so it happened. And um, so we've probably been at it for what, about four weeks now. So we identified the field, we identified all the fields and we were successful with almost all of them. I'm still trying to figure out there's, there's an issue with how we collected some of our internal um, demographic, staff demographic data. There, there was a data collection problem and so we know it's not accurate and we can't post it if it's not accurate. So we got to fix that. Uh, but every, everything else we identified uh, was extracted, translated into essentially Excel spreadsheets and uploaded. And so we've got arrest data, arrest for, data. for the last five years, I believe we're up to now. Citations. Hate or, crimes. Hate crimes, which we have to provide to Commonwealth anyway. And accidents. Crashes, motor vehicle crashes. Yep. Arrests, citations, hate crimes, crashes. Yep. Uh, and then because we were doing it anyway, uh, we were doing the open data portal anyway, and we had a separate project that we were working on last year in response to a quest that was made the year before. We also posted um, some reports, some spreadsheets on our equipment purchases for the last five years. So where where our equipment, new equipment, and some of our grant money goes and what kind of equipment we're buying. And that was an interesting project because um, the people who were asking the questions are like, the police are buying equipment, you know, they're buying armor and, and guns. And, you know, we went, I think I said this on the air once, we you know when we went through and we looked at it, we were paying rental on a lot of porta potties. That was a surprising <laughs> one that was coming out there. But equipment also included things like chairs for the dispatch center. Right. Um, locks for the cages stuff for the traffic unit it, equipment is a catch-all for a lot of stuff if we other than uniforms if it goes on our belt it goes on our body it's protective equipment it goes in a car it's all equipment so um so there was a lot of stuff in there but those are up and we're still trying to figure out how we're going to widely disseminate where the links are. But you can go to, what, go to our webpage and you can just see the open data portal. It's in the upper right-hand corner. And you can go check that stuff out. <clears throat> and then as a result of the work we were doing on the open data portal, we also realized that I, 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 don't, I don't think it was a conscious decision. It was just like nobody's asking anymore. Nobody's paying attention. So we'd gotten out of the habit of posting and updating CityStat. CityStat was an intelligence product we developed seven or eight years ago essentially we're just putting up monthly reports about crime rates and you know people stopped asking and you it's actually possible to do it yourself by using some of the links on our website where we have like our our call logs and stuff like that um but we had an inquiry and so uh we asked uh intel specialist Stebbin if if she would start that again and so she just shared the most recent uh she's gonna work backwards yeah i gotta so, put that one up on the site today. so she just shared that with us um so you know Law enforcement in 2021 is an interesting, you know, it, technology touches everything. Touches, you know, it's it's in all places. I was in a meeting yesterday afternoon, uh, and we were talking about resume for this organization. We we're talking about resuming in-person meetings, and uh, you know, I said it, that's fine. I don't mind. We've been meeting in person for you know, chief association whatever for months now. Uh, so one of the lessons that we've learned in a couple groups that I'm familiar with is. Even when we go back to in-person meetings, we keep the option of having a remote meeting 
possibility. So the Chiefs example is a great, or the Chiefs Association is a great example. We have many, not, well, not many, we have a handful of small town chiefs who are working chiefs, like they're, they're the only full-time police officer in their community, and they never come to the meetings. They just can't. They can't get away from their town that long. Um, and even though the meeting's only, you know, hour, hour and a half, it, for them to come up or down from wherever they're coming from, it could be half their work day. Yep. So uh, during the pandemic when we were meeting remotely, they were attending the meetings because they could do it from their office. They could do it from their car. If they had to, you know, log out of the meeting to go handle something, they could just do that very easily. So even though we're back to in-person meetings with the Chiefs Association, um, we still kind of, you know, we'll set up a laptop and we'll keep a remote link. And if somebody wants to zoom in, they can zoom in. And so I shared that with this organization yesterday. And they were like, well, you know, in our meeting room, we have a monitor, but it's just a monitor. And I stopped. I was like, look, I'm taking this meeting on my cruiser computer right now. I'll bring it to the meeting. It's no big deal, right? You I can't, spent more time in your car doing meetings. I, I, I have learned to take a lot of meetings in my car. Um, but, you know, if there's a silver lining to what we've been through for the last year and a half, it's that, right? Meetings that I wouldn't have attended because I wasn't willing to commit the travel time, I can attend now. Yep. So, so technology is kind of an aspect of everything we're doing now. Um, I forgot where I was going with that one. So it's, we're, we're back on track for our technology improvement programs, right? So I, I know I signed a PO for the drug or the detective bureau the other day and upgrade some of their storage. Yep. Those are the individual, like, externals for them? Yes. Yeah, external drives. <laughs> the first time I got a request from the Detective Bureau for, like, large-capacity thumb drives, jump drives, what the heck is this? You're detectives, right? And that now we don't give them thumb drives anymore. We give them external hard drives. That I never in a million years thought I would see the day when that was standard equipment for a detective, but they got to go out and collect digital evidence, it's, right? It's outgrowing. It's it, they can't do it on a thumb drive anymore. Nope. It's insane. And, you know, this is probably the second or third time we've reissued these. So they're filling them, yep. right? They're running out of capacity. So we have that. Um, new fingerprint machines coming. For the booking room. Remind me? Cross match? Yes. Identix? Yeah. Do we own this? Yes. Damn. I thought the state police were supposed to provide that. No, so we had to buy a new one. Oh, that's the right, because we had to go back to the quote and say, we don't need a new cabinet, we don't right. need this, cut that. Yeah. They tried to upsell us. Yeah, we tried to, we trimmed the fat. Yeah. Not get away with that. Sell us duplicate hardware. Um, what else? Well, we, we spoke yesterday, we got the interview set up could be replaced yeah, figure out a, a solution for that next week too I, I, I have a solution I just got to make it work um, that's the problem with the technology so you know when we purchase this it comes with a three year or five year agreement and then you know they offer great support but once that agreement's over we got to upgrade so that was one of the things that came well you know, we, yeah, I, you saw it yesterday afternoon I changed the uh, line item on one of your requests and this is one of the things that's come up in the last couple of budget discussions. And it's one of the reasons that starting, I don't know, five or six years ago, I had that, I, I kept requesting that um, non-specific capital technology line 
because we run, you know, we run a budget cycle that's based on a fiscal year. And so we're planning the budget in January and February. We're asking for the money in April and May, and we're getting it approved in June and then getting the money in July. Well, that's a six month lead in, right? I can't and you can't account for what we may learn in July, August, and September, or what may become available in September, October, and November, that could be a complete game changer for us that we don't want to wait until the following July for. And so essentially what we came up with, and we had for a couple of years, is we had access to a comparatively small amount of money. So if something did come up mid-year, we could do it in real time instead of kicking the stuff down the road. Uh, and that was one of the things that we lost access to during some of the, the more recent budget years. Um, but the other thing that people don't understand is, so we find new technology or we're replacing existing technology. And when we get the new stuff, the maintenance costs are included in the initial cost, right? But three years down the road, five years down the road, we have to account for those maintenance costs, right? That it doesn't, it doesn't last forever. And so the, what we used to call the maintenance and support line item, which is now office equipment and computer IT something, um, those costs go up because I say never, but we're doing it this week. Seldom do we redline a technology, right? If we bring technology on board and it's effective and it's making us more capable, we keep it. And so we're frequently adding technology, but we're very, very rarely are we completely abandoning a technology. And so those maintenance and support fees, those renewable warranty fees, those licensing fees, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. The more technology we add, the higher those line items go. Um, And even when we do rarely redline something, we usually redline it in favor of a different technology. So we're just absorbing the cost somewhere else. Right. So that's going to be interesting. Yep. I didn't tell the captain yet. He, he was the program manager for that particular intelligence application. I, I, he's gonna, <clears throat> I think he's going to be okay with it because it's... It was outrageous. And I know that what we're going to be able to do with the other stuff that we're going to gain through the through the city upgrade is going to be better than it anyway. Yeah. Um, I did. I, so I started to say I was out of the office for a couple of days this week. I was with another police department helping them work through uh, uh, an issue. And as part of what we were working on, I was doing some um, scenario based like after action uh you know, after action review stuff. And I was using, I was using, because I'm comfortable with it, I was using Rhodium. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, logged into my Rhodium account. Rhodium is our, is a software, a subscription-based software application that we use for critical incident planning and critical incident management. And so I logged into it and I'm mapping out these incidents and I'm popping resources and these supervisors are like, what are you working in? <laughs> I'm like, ah, no free ads. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I forget sometimes that a lot of departments, even and this this was a larger department, um, even a lot of larger departments, if they don't have people that are actively going out there looking for equipment, technology, um, resources to make us better, they're, they're just dependent on what it's always been there. And I, I was telling a story because um, technology is great when it works. Technology is great when you have it. But we were on a critical incident 
fall of 2019, fall late late fall 2019, and uh, I had been in a, in a series of meetings, and so my laptop, my my MDT laptop, uh, was packed up, <clears throat> and I didn't um, I hadn't taken it out of the office, and so I went to this critical incident without it, which I rarely do, uh, and I had this in my little tablet, but um. This was before you, you got me the alternative power sources, and I couldn't power it in my cruiser. It, the, uh, the converter in the desk wouldn't, wouldn't support it. It kept crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was managing that incident with a laminated map taped to the hood of my car, which is how I did things when I was a sergeant. <laughs> um, and it was fine. It, it worked. Yeah. But you know, it's much nicer to be able to open up the laptop pull up satellite imagery of the area we're working with and actually put my road closures in place and see who's coming in and you know be able to assign resources and so uh you know these these sergeants are looking at i'm just pop 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 doing there what are you doing I'm like oh see me offline i'll tell you about this you company. know and, and that's the thing you know we're in our four walls and sometimes we get out sometimes we don't but those trade shows, the the chief road shows, are essential. Yeah. To see what the new technology is. So I have been. Um, th- this is actually a, an interesting point. I've been reluctant to go down this path because we didn't. Well, we still don't know, right? At some point, we are going to have to update our computer aided dispatch, incident management, records management system. Yeah. Uh, we're either going to update it with the vendor if they pull their heads out and get with the program and, and bring it into the 21st century or we're going to redline it and we're going to have to switch and go to another uh, go to another product this will be the third time in my career if we have to do that and I don't want to do it <laughs> every time it's horrific yeah. um, and the cost of just doing the data transfer is astronomical right? Well, it, that'll be a year's technology that's always my first question it, 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 it will be a year's technology budget just to move the data, yep. right? and it'll take months, and it's never done with 100% fidelity. We'll lose things. Yep. Um, that just came up recently, right? Something that was entered in DM data came up in IMC, and it was wrong. Uh, so you got you to gotta anticipate that and plan for that. But what I will say is that there so <laughs> Rhodium is trying to upsell me. And so I'm I'm not in frequent contact with those guys, but when I need help from them, they're always they're always responding to my emails. They always take my call, and it's a it's a very good product, but it works better when it's integrated, and so they have the capability to integrate Rhodium with our CAD, so that when I open an incident, it will just backfill the staff. Right? If if they're on duty, boom, they're in my resource list. Wow. And that part is would be cool. That would be awesome because it will also backfill into the call as we're doing so. Like our logs go into the call. So I've been reluctant to do it because we didn't know what was going to go on with the CAD. But I'm I'm seriously considering, you know, doing it at least in the short term. The other nice part about that because pretty not not a hundred percent, but definitely you know anybody who's on duty with the cruiser phones now, um, they have an app that is essentially an accountability app. So have you have you deployed with us for one of like a large structure fire or the aftermath of a structure fire? Yep. You were with us for the arson up in uh like Anoda Village. Yep. Uh it wasn't an arson, I saw for a fire. It wasn't an arson. Um 
So, you know, when the fire department goes, they've got their accountability board, they've got a safety officer out there, and they've got this thing set up on its little desk, and they're, they're tagging in and tagging out. Yep. Rhodium will do that with an app. So if I show up in the staging area and I tag in the apps, like, Chief Win available for assignment, nice. and then when I, they put you on the board, it sends you a notification and tells you where to go. That's, that's, that's useful. Yeah, from an officer safety point of view, it's huge. Yep. So... And it'll use the um, GPS technology in the phone to actually show me, like, if they're moving. And, and no, not that tree. Go to the other tree. <laughs> <laughs> Stay so, where you are. Yeah. Stay in staging. Don't go to the incident. <laughs> We've got, like, seven minutes left. So we chuckled. You were in our, you were in our supervisory roundtable yesterday, so you know what I'm talking about, right? And so we'll, we'll wrap up with this before we talk about what's going on for the weekend. Uh, I... I need to find like some wood right now to knock on. So last Friday, we had a great show. Cruiser went in for service. Because my cruiser was going in for service, my cruiser was empty, or almost empty. Um, got out of work, went and got a nice workout in the dojo, and then went to a critical incident because a home invasion was reported while we were working out. And uh, of course, the cruiser was still empty, so that makes that tough. But so we were doing a supervisory roundtable yesterday, and the reason Mr. Munn laughed when I said stay in staging area is because the operation was going textbook. It was going by the numbers. I was like, this one we're going to use as a lesson how to. And then the subjects, the persons of interest, uh, spontaneously surrendered before we gave them the surrender protocols and walked out while we were in the middle of a very precarious portion of the operation and uh every resource that we had brought offline to to try to move this thing into the next phase as soon as they heard they're coming out went running right back down to the scene and so we were left with no resources that's that's a scene management issue <laughs> lesson learned we'll uh do some education with our our new supervisors and some of our experienced supervisors and some of our officers every everybody wants to be there everybody wants to help but, uh, you know, that's that's not always the best thing to do. Sometimes we need to hold some people in reserve in case something else happens. Yep. So lessons learned. That's why we do the supervisory roundtables. That's why we do the tabletop exercises. We learn, you know, we learn from every operation. It's part of our continuous improvement process. Just striving to get better all the time because we are a learning organization. All right. So. Five minutes left. We've been talking all things technology. We talked about the Friday thing very, very briefly. That's still under investigation. Detectives have that case now. We've had a couple inquiries. People are like, you know, what what was that? You know, it, it did come in as a home invasion. Uh, the reporting parties did report armed masked uh, intruders. We did not find any armed masked intruders. Um, we think we know why now, but we haven't really nailed that down. Uh, we probably will know more in the next couple of weeks. Um, Nobody got hurt. Uh, well, nobody got badly hurt. There was a subject upon our patrol officer's arrival who had been shoved around, punched up a little bit, but he was treated and released or treated and refused transport. Um, so, yeah, still under investigation. More to come on that. Did I miss anything with any outstanding technology projects? Nope. You got to finish the camera thing. Yep. And the mm -hmm. use of force form. Use of force form is ready. Okay. So we got to. We just sit down and. Or you need to peruse it. And yeah, we got to pull the pin on that. You have to send me the link again. It keeps dying. Okay. All right. So 
You have been tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. We appreciate you joining us uh, this week and every week. Looks like it's a beautiful day out there. Some of the weekend should be decent. What do you got planned? Uh, we're going up to our, we have a, a camp up in New York, upstate New York. You have a, you have a new fire pit. Yep. Have you broken it in yet? Oh, yeah. That okay. thing's incredible. It, nice. Very nice. Did all the accessories show up last week? Yes. It, um, we, we got everything except for the, the cooking top okay. that came, so we're going to bring that up tomorrow <clears throat> or tonight. They're doing uh, Christmas in July, so the, the kids will be getting gifts tomorrow from Santa Claus. <laughs> Wait a minute. Santa's on a beach somewhere. I don't know. Okay. Um. So, camping. Yep. Heading, heading out tonight? Yep. Cool. Right after work. That's awesome. You, so you, oh, I know you camp. You have a boat, too, right? Yep. Is the boat at the camp? Nope. No. Not, that's what we're hoping for. Let's see if we can get into it. Down in Otis. Okay. Otis Reservoir. Nice. But All right. We switch back and forth. I have not had a fire in my fire pit for like three weeks. I'm going into withdrawal. This might be the weekend I have to do that. Um, but I have been training. I, I've been training. I'm very happy about that. So uh, I I picked up. Actually, I can't say I picked up. I got back to so. I got back to the Friday evening classes, which are a class I really, really enjoy because they're generally um, aimed at some of the newer students. So I get to help out a little bit and and work on not just my skill development, but helping other people. So that's fun. And I'm back in the Saturday morning kids classes, which is always a blast to see the the littles drilling and training. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a bunch of fun. And I have, you know, talk all the time about the fact that I train jujitsu, but I've also been cross training for, with Muay Thai for about six months now, hmm. doing a little stand-up striking. Um, of course, that comes at a price because I am not as young as I used to be, and so lots of pain, and I had to buy a case of athletic tape to tape my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the price you pay, right? Yeah. Staying active. All right, great. We are nearly out of time. It is coming up on 10 a.m. on Friday, July 23rd. Thank you for joining us this morning and tuning in, as I already said. Join us again next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, available on all your major podcast platforms. Until then, be well, stay healthy, and be kind. We're 10-8.